Welcome to The New Next, a podcast that addresses current events and how they will impact the future. So, so, so you do a lot of like private investing that, that you and I talk about that, um, in private and credited investing and stuff that's not typically your mutual funds that, uh, most people, um, look at whether that be kind of private, uh, real estate deals or venture, like growth deals, syndicate opportunities and stuff. Um, what kind of, stuff do you like to look at for investing what's been piquing your interest lately and maybe you can tell us a little bit about that sure absolutely um you know i think the the direction we were talking about uh taking this conversation is the difference really between what people typically think of when they think about investing so stocks and bonds that you can you know buy from your, your broker online um, that you can watch the price traded and, and uh, you know understand the, the, the public financials. You know, uh, we've talked about Disney. Uh, you can go look up their ticker symbol, uh, DIS, I think it is, and get a good picture of what, what's going on uh, with them quarter to quarter. Uh, and, and that's you know what most people uh, think of and have in their 401k, or, or you know maybe you you know uh, are, are curious about it and be able to research that. Um, Really, I think you know the direction we're taking this conversation is looking more at the private markets, like you mentioned, uh, and so you know that really is you know, a, a really wide range of types of investments that in, in private companies uh, through yeah things like angel investing, venture capital, uh, private equity, um, you know hedge funds, and, and real estate as well. And I've, been around this for a long time you know my uh, first job out of college was was with PitchBook doing research on private equity deals and trying to understand you know and find all the information uh, on these things because they're not public um, and, yeah and really the, this is a whole sector of our of our kind of financial economy that uh, there's a there's a massive amount of money in there is a massive uh, you know it, it funds and drives a lot of the you know companies especially early on in, in our economy, um, but it's not widely understood. Uh, and really, it's, that's an access and, and privacy privacy driven, um, because there is no requirement to, to put that information out there. So um, yeah, you know, it, just in the last um, you know, the last few years, I really started to dive more deeply into it in a more active way. Uh, you know, by, with my background in technology and early stage companies, it's something that uh, I feel like I have a little bit more knowledge and uh, ability to learn about uh, and access to folks building early stage companies. Um, and I also just find it really interesting you know, understanding how, yeah. how these deals work um, and, and, and all of that stuff. And so, um, you know, personally have been have wading into, um, you know, early stage angel investing, you know, talking to early founders who are still trying to find product market fit. Uh, and, and then also just other things like, um, you know, completely, different uh like real estate you know there are multifamily you know apartment buildings and things like that all over the country that are, that are being bought and sold all the time that are being improved upon um you know 
trying to make them more attractive to, to renters and things like that. Uh, you know, all of that private capital is something that um, is really, it's really curious to see how it all works. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably agree that in private, private investing. So, so private investing has basically a, a exponentially less legal requirements in the markets that Joel's talking about than uh, like mutual funds and stuff like that. So there's an assumption because you have so much money to invest that you have some sophistication with you and that you're accredited and you have the money and the knowledge to do proper due diligence on the investments. So uh, I would say that there's a lot of uh, kiss, a lot of frogs before you find a prince sort of things like, you know, Joel's always talking about different potential deals with me and then kind of growing, going down into the market stuff. And then also looking, you know, every deal is priced differently. So you may be hot on a company, but you just don't see, um, you don't see the cash return or the investment return potential in the deal mm -hmm. or compared to other investment opportunities that you have. So, yeah, yeah, it's pretty interesting. You know, in terms of you mentioned accreditation, I mean, just talking about how you can even get access to this kind of stuff. And, and you mentioned essentially there, there's like a multi-part test for whether or not you are legally allowed to get to, you know, participate in these types of deals. And, and it's what would be called an accredited, an accredited investor or qualified purchaser, which is the level above that. And, and really, you know, there are more than this, but it's somebody, it's either based on your total assets, your income, uh, or, you know, certain types of certification. So if you, uh, you know, have more than a million dollars in assets, not including your primary residence, or you make more than $200,000 a year, um, or you've passed, I forget what it is, maybe the series 63 or you represent 66, 66. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, essentially this is all kind of a, you know, a rough test of, um, your sophistication, you know, are, are, do you have the ability to understand these investments, understand the risks in them, uh, because, because they are more risky, you know, they, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and we can get into a little bit more, but essentially th there's a lot of gatekeeping going on, uh, trying to, you know, the SEC is trying to protect people from being, you know, uh, you know going into frauds or things like that, make sure we protect your money. Uh, there's a big debate about whether or not that quote unquote sophistication test really tests whether you're <laughs> sophisticated or not. You it know, definitely uh, doesn't I'm seem like it sure a lot. That, that, that making a lot of money doesn't necessarily make you smart. Yeah, um, definitely not. Uh, and so, you know, there, there are changes in the laws too that are coming out uh, that are allowing more folks to to be able to participate in this. There's the uh, Reg CF, uh, which came up uh, several years ago, that allows uh, private companies to do crowdfunding, uh, CF crowdfunding. Uh, and so, you know, bringing more people into into these types of investments at the early stage or at any stage really, uh, but allowing people um, who don't necessarily meet those bars to to still be able to participate and uh, in this area that's kind of been reserved for, for, uh, you know, the kind of, uh, richer folks in the country, which is, uh, you know, uh, it has its pros and cons, you know, because of the risk profile, but um, also on the positive side that uh, you get to participate and, uh, that's fantastic. Um, the, yeah. 
you mentioned the returns to or, or kind of the risks involved with it. Um, you know, one of the kind of common phrases you'll hear uh, for venture capital and others is, is power law returns. Um, you know, that the, the, the risk is high, especially for early stage. And so, you know, 90% of the companies that are going to, you know, going through this process will probably fold and close up. It means your investment mm-hmm. is zero. And so, you know, you really do have to, you know, work to build a portfolio, build a fairly large portfolio to, to make sure that, you know, you do find that 10% that, that supplies you with enough return to at least get your money back. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, which is, which is a totally different scenario than like real estate fixed assets or what typically is done in private equity too. Yeah. Or even public equities, right. You know, yeah, definitely. Basket of, basket of stocks. You're not expecting, you know, 90% of the S and P to go to zero in the next five years. Um, yeah. You know, those are stable companies with, with um, product market fit and, you know, their price might go down or up, but uh, they, they won't cease to exist. Um, and so it's a, it's a very different uh, type of, um, investment area and it kind of requires you to think a little bit differently about you know how you how you build a portfolio and and, and evaluate these companies um you know and finally you talked a little bit about, about price too um you know the you know with with a stock you can look every day and see see what its price yeah. is it goes up up and down every second uh, based on how the you know shares are traded back and forth and what you know there's price discovery there by you know how how the market decides um you know what it's worth and uh, based on the information that they can get publicly mm-hmm. um you know for, for these i mean these companies are priced you know maybe maybe once a year uh really uh, priced when they raised a new round of capital so you know for venture capital you'll hear they talk about like a seed uh, round or a series a or b or c these are discrete rounds of funding where they raise, you know, a million dollars, say, and they use that money to go, you know, run their business, try to try to grow it and things like that. Um, you, you don't really know what the price of the business is until it hits one of those milestones again. Huh, um, yeah. And, and so, you know, the, and, and if you're on the outside and you're not running that company and somebody is trying to offer you, you know, a, a stake in that, uh, you can start to gather information on what their product is and get some financials from them and try to run some models around um, you know, whether that seems like a fair valuation or not. But um, you know, at the end of the day, because uh, it is kind of an early stage thing, you're, you're taking a lot of. Uh, you're 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 betting on the. Go ahead. You're you're betting on the company, but you're also betting on your kind of personal investment thesis and your ability to source and uh, evaluate good deals. Yeah. And, and you, you know, this is not a liquid asset class. You can't sell your stock tomorrow to somebody on the street um, because you, you don't think it will grow the same way going forward. So you're thinking and you're modeling out a lot farther, you know, because the, the liquidity point, Traditionally, has been an IPO to the public market or, or a private sale to a, you know an M and A uh, transaction to another company, a private equity firm, or something like that. Um, but you know you don't have an exit until something like that happens. Uh, you know there are other things like secondary sales that allow some little bits of liquidity, but you know traditionally it's the IPO or M and A route. 
Um, and so you really do have to think much longer term about, you know, how is this going to grow in the future um, and, and fit it into that kind of power law return as well. You know, that you know, unfortunately, you know, getting 5% return on it year over year, um, well, five to seven is great in the public markets, but if you're in the, in the private, if 90% of your investments go to zero, uh, <laughs> you can't rely. You, you need things. Uh, you need to look for things that are going to be, you know, growing aggressively, doubling, tripling, ten x, hundred thousand x, in order to cover the rest of those losses and also provide you with a, a return over time, with a ten year, what ten year horizon on some of these funds. I mean, you you need at least total portfolio growth of at least seven percent just to double. And yeah. So. If only one or two of those investments is supplying that uh, total return, it, it really does mean you have to think very clearly about what that future trajectory of that company is going to be and whether the valuation you invest at um, will, will allow you to get there. Uh, you know, if you purchase a company at you know $10 million and it, it can, you can see a path where it goes to a billion, cool, that's a big 100x return, right? Um, and uh, alternatively, if you're investing at, you know, 500 million, it's a 2x return to go to a billion. You're not making your, uh, you know, you're not able to make the math work for something like that. So you have to take that into account, even as much as you might be excited about uh, what they're doing. Yeah, just a quick note on what something that you said. So you talked about time horizon for VC for being 10 years. In some cases, they're talking about 15 and some of the funds that they're running, uh, raising recently. Um, private equities, usually seven years. So when they go out and they're like, hey, institution, you know, hey, bank or hey, pension fund or hey, uh, foundation, give me your money. They're basically saying this money is going to be locked up for eight to 10 years or 10 to 15 years for venture capital, five to seven or seven to 10 maybe for private equity. So they have to time their deals. So if they fundraise uh, and they've got a seven-year time horizon, that first year is sent, spent, year, year and a half is spent basically sourcing and completing deals. And, um, you know, throughout the life cycle on that, you're either using your leftover capital to help support portfolio companies and growth stuff, doing additional rounds or providing debt, but you're really looking, you know, still that goal is in six to seven years from investing in this company, I need to have cash in my account to pay these investors back with some level of return. And if you're talking about venture, you're like, well, I'm investing in 10 companies, nine of them are going to go bankrupt, but this 10th company is going to provide me that amount of cash at that time where I'm going to be able to pay a uh, basically a 20%, 30% compound annual return on that money that the institutions gave me on the, on the outset. It's very, very complicated. I, you know, like uh, in recent years, everybody looked really smart because the market's going up and up. But I think being a good inv investor, timing the time horizons like that, making your institutions happy, um, is a good thing. Cause if you look at, uh, who's the guy, the big short guy, uh, Michael, whatever Michael Lewis. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> or no, that, uh, not Michael Lewis, the investor guy. 
oh. uh, Michael Burry. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's a kind of a cultural example of that. Michael Burry was right. He made uh, boatloads of money, right? But his institutions just told him to F off after that whole experience because he locked up their money and didn't play by essentially the rules that they had set on the outset. So it's not all about making people money. It's about having kind of that institutional risk factor and that, uh, I guess, strategy there too, and uh, really timing the investments because the institutions too are also managing their own portfolios in the same way that You know, on the I mean, time horizon you mentioned, even 20 years ago, the, the time a company would take from inception to IPO, it's been getting longer and longer and longer. Um, so, you know, this is not, uh, you know, the reason these things are seven to 10 years and, and Matt said they're pushing into 15 year funds is, you know, people are staying private longer. Um, you know, it, it, they're, positives and minuses to, to staying private. But, um, you know, it used to be that maybe you would start and spin up and, and you would go IPO or sell in, in two to five years. And that yeah. was great for a seven, seven year fund, but, you know, companies are staying private 10 plus years. Um, and, and so, you know, even if you have thousands of employees, they all have private stock and they can't sell it. So it's like, you know, it's, um, you know, for the business, maybe it's a great, um, you know, way to grow and, and kind of grow without the, you know, overhead of public reporting and all that kind of stuff. But it has, it has drastically changed how people build portfolios and things like that. And, and in terms of the, you know, institutional investors, you know, pension funds and things like that, you mentioned, uh, even, you know, right now where, where we have, you know, the market going down, the public market going down, um, a lot of those places are asking these funds that, you know, they don't reprice their company until a new round uh, <laughs> yeah. to, to actually go and mark, mark to market, you know, to, to re reevaluate their portfolios. Um, and, you know, from a fund perspective, you'd prefer not to do that. You know, it yeah. makes it look like you're, you're losing, uh, you're losing money or you're down uh, when those companies are continuing to grow. And, you know, in the, in the future, we'll probably, who knows, maybe, maybe be successful. Um, but from a portfolio construction perspective for the institutional investors, you know, they're now massively overweight on these private things, even though, you know, because the public equities reprice and they go down and it's like, well, I can't, they can't put any more money into this area, even when from a market perspective, it's a great time, you know, to, yeah. if you have capital to put it to work, you know, the prices and, and the multiples have come down, you know, Maybe, maybe we'll continue to be kind of in this recessive state for another year or two, but th this is when things get built, right? This is when people yeah. really, you know, you know, everybody that is leaving Amazon and Twitter right now, what are you going to do? Are you going to go build something? Are you going to, you know, it's a great opportunity to find great deals. Um, and, you know, Definitely. if we look at the 2008 and 2007, you know, crash and recession, um, you know, the quote unquote smart money actually stayed out for way too long. Um, and so, but it, but it requires people to kind of suck it up, reprice stuff, um, you know, be realistic about, you know, 
what's going on and, and make some smart decisions. So, yeah, I think like to your point, we used to have a lot of regional stock exchanges and like Northwest stuff like that. So you'd see a lot of companies IPO at a 40, $50 million valuation because they needed the capital. And like, you know, my brother, Eric works, he's a director at um, Silicon Valley bank and they basically are, they're publicly traded now, but they started their niche thing with this venture debt investing. So they would provide uh, debt capital, um, you know, oftentimes along with uh, financing rounds for companies where it typically be more equity. So debt capital and also warrants where you provide debt capital that pays you money, but that, that debt is convertible into common stock in the future too. So they, they evaluate, they've kind of filled this niche for uh, that capital need from, you know, kind of your uh, mid series level investing level towards IPO that's allowed people to uh, basically extend, you know, work more on kind of like, I guess, gestating their baby, so to speak, leaving it in the womb a little bit longer. I don't know what to say so before it gets out there and really goes. Um, Cause uh, from, from an investor sense up until recently, you'd typically eventually go to market and then get a higher multiple. So you'd capture more of the upside while it was private and then also get a bigger bump once you actually like went to markets. Um, but I, you know, I think SoftBank with just how much money that they had in recent years really fragmented a lot of the markets and you have companies like Silicon Valley bank and other venture companies that have had still been really prudent investors and not got fully caught up in the hype that are doing really well. But there's a lot of people that got caught with their pants down, so to speak, you know? So, but it's, it's interesting. One thing I, I would step back to and talk about it is why, why, why this area. I mean, you talked a little bit about you know, kind of high risk, high reward for this, um, but I'll also point out too, like a lot of these things tend to not be correlated as strongly with you know other types of investments, and so you know, like if you have all of your money in the stock market, well, right now stock market's going down. It doesn't matter how good your company is. It's all going down um and it you know don't sell everything it will you know eventually go up the stock market goes up on average over time uh but you know the, there are opportunities for things that do not move in the exact same way uh, and so you know there are you know like matt pointed out real estate you know some real estate's going down but you know there's a massive housing shortage in the country uh you know there you know people need still to pays every month yeah, you know, this uh, generates income from rent and, and, you know, there's still, you know, growth uh, overall from the, you know, the property being valuable over time. Um, you know, there are other types of investments where, you know, there are people who invest in litigation. They invest in, you know, in, in debt and other things like that that are, that are not correlated with these parts of the economy. And, um, and, and so, you know, the kind of alternative stuff that we're talking about under the broad umbrella today, it, it really allows um, 
you know, you to diversify into something that will not move in the exact same way as different parts of your portfolio. And so you'll have a, a big chunk in stocks, but you might also have it in something that, you know, goes sideways or, or just continues to yield a, you know, a nice uh, healthy percentage every month, uh, which uh, makes it smooth things out a little bit more, which uh, reduces your, <laughs> you know, nervousness and worries about what's going on in the world. If you'd like to learn more about the new next podcast, find us at the new where you can suggest a topic you would like for us to cover. If you enjoyed what you heard, share the podcast, tell a friend about it or rate us with five stars. 